What's up, guys? I'm Hugh Rages. And I'm Suicidal Sanders. And we are Technically Gaming, a weekly podcast where we cover everything from AMD to World War Z. If it's about gadgets or the interwebs, we got you covered. If you would like... You could check it out every Friday over at youtube.com slash Rages or most podcast services around the world. Except for last week. I was going to say, we're not quite, <laughs> we're not quite weekly at the moment, but uh, yeah, some, t- some technical issues last week that we didn't discover until about an hour after we'd finished. So uh, yeah, we're back and hopefully I'll, I'll tell you one thing though. You missed out on a pretty good episode because of us. <laughs> <laughs> and we're sorry okay we we are deeply sorry we promise it won't happen again or if it does we're just wasting our time at this point but we'll, we'll soldier on so right, you, do so you want to get us started what's uh what's some of the things we have to talk about this week uh suicide well I again that i just got hit with a bunch of crap this morning that i knew nothing about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the eleventh hour is always the greatest, so uh, we might as well start off with something that um, we uh, can uh, both know a lot and can talk about. We had news earlier this week, or more accurately, last week, that Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two are being remastered, and this is fantastic. Oh yes, I'm excited, dude. You know what's crazy is like, so for people who don't know, my wife's name is Samantha. I showed Samantha this, and she was like, I want to play this. The The first two games, uh, I think the first, I mean, the f- Tony Hawk's 1 is an absolute staple for the PlayStation 1. If you had a yes. PlayStation 1, you even if you didn't even care about skateboarding or, or had any kind of knowledge about it, pretty much everyone I knew had Tony Hawk's 1 on the PS1. So oh, uh, yeah. To see them get remastered is um, fantastic news, and uh, particularly over recent years where the future of the franchise has been a little dubious because um, Activision's license (laughs) with Tony Hawk's came to an end, and it's not just that as well. A lot of the... um, when you get games like this, sometimes the uh, music tracks that are on them have a limited license. It's um, a similar reason why Rockstar just had to do a new update for GTA Five, uh, GTA Four. Sorry, a lot of the songs used in that game, the license ran out, so they could no longer sell it new. So, it looks like uh, only a couple of uh, tracks have actually been cut from the remaster. So it, it should be a really, really legitimate um, re-experience. Let's just hope. That don't mess it up like they did uh, some of the more recent. All I got, all games. I have to say is when you talk about messing up, I have one word for you: ride. Mm. Yeah, I the bought, the Tony. I bought that. Was ride the one that gave you like the the, the skateboard skateboard controller? Oh yeah, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Pulling an ollie on that was harder than on an actual skateboard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so um, that it, that's really positive, and let, as I said, I'm just hoping that um, they they make a really nice uh, nice job of it because people would love just to. People didn't even really want a new game. People, it, in terms of remasters, this probably is one of the best examples we've I seen in the recent. I would love to see them trend. do like um, was it was it called like Underground or something? Underground, yeah, that was I'd arguably the last good too. one. Yeah, Underground was arguably the last the last really good one. So uh 
It'll be interesting to see where we go from there. And sticking with gaming noise, um, uh, noise news, uh, <laughs> we did uh, talk about it last week, but uh, as we said, technical difficulties. But we do have confirmation now that the Mafia trilogy is getting remastered. Wasn't it only speculation it was going to be one of them last week? It was, yeah, uh, there was news that something was happening, but we didn't know what. But now we do know that the whole trilogy is getting remastered. And what it probably means by that is that um, Mafia 1 and 2 is getting remastered and they're just going to re-release Mafia. Because Mafia 3 only came out, I think, in 2016, 2017. It's not even that old. Um, So in terms of of remastering, there's very little that it requires. But... um, Getting the first two games remastered, that's once again, it's great news, particularly the second one, which many consider to be the best one seen in the franchise. They're games that still stand up really well today. So uh, if we can get them again with just a a bit of a nicer uh, graphical presentation, that will be really, really nice. And um, once again, it does just seem that we're just constantly talking about remasters at the moment, but that's the way the industry wants to go. So... um, Going to probably what was arguably the biggest um, breaking news in the last week. Um, The week before, um, as you may know, Epic Games Store regularly releases free games. It's something that they've done ever since they launched in November 2018. Every two weeks, every month, they, they release a game. But we had here what was arguably their biggest coup today, and that was um, GTA 5 Premium Edition was free on the Epic Game Store. I say was because by the time you watch this, the promotion ends on the 21st of May. So by the time you watch this, it's probably expired. But uh, this was huge and by far and away the biggest coup that um, the Epic Game Store had managed to pull. Um, (laughs) Not without problems, though. Yeah. When you Um, offer up a game this big, people are going to come running. The first major problem was is that the um, the giveaway was so huge that it actually for pretty much, and I know this because I tried to grab my copy um, and I couldn't do it on the actual day. I had to wait until the next morning to get my copy, but um, not that I don't already have GTA 5, but you can never have too many free games. Um, exactly. It... Um, the Epic Games store actually crashed it. I mean, it wasn't a full-blown crash, but it barely ran. There were that many people on there claiming and claiming and downloading their copy. So um, that was one problem. In something of a follow-up, though, this was I, I um, reported on this yesterday, and it, it made me smile a little. Um, Epic Games wasn't the only casualty. Uh, Rockstar Games has also reported that the PC version of their online servers are also doing really badly at the moment because (laughs) there are so many new people on it. So um, if you did get your copy and you are having problems in the online version of the game, you're not alone. Um, Rockstar Games is aware of it, but just... This this giveaway has just caused a lot of problems, but they they're nice problems to have. As I said, getting Grand Theft Auto Five for free is just absolutely obscene. It's We've crazy. mentioned in a prior, we mentioned in a prior podcast. This is a game that has been in the top ten uh, gaming sales since it came out five six years ago. This has yeah. consistently been in the top ten chart. So, giving this away for free, this is a game that was still, despite so many years passing, selling. Um, it's not like they've given away a massive player base too. Even before this happened, 
I mean, presumably the only reason Rockstar uh, agreed to it was just simply just to boost. Maybe sales were starting to flag, but the biggest cash cow for uh, them is the um, in-game currency and the the um, what what more people the you what? have online. Shark cards, things like that. So, um, you know, they're probably in a, 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 with this one promotion, probably added at least another. I, I would, I'll, it's got to be millions more online players in the PC game than there were before. So, uh, um, Rockstar won't mind, but they first need to just make sure that their servers are uh, coping with the problem as oh, best yeah. as they can. And stick it, sticking with Epic Games as well, while we're on the subject, we do also have confirmation or at least a leak suggesting what their next, uh, their next, I've got to get my wording correctly here because this is a bit of a tongue twister, their next three free games are going to be. And it's a really, really solid push, if I'm honest. Um, if the rumors are correct, on May 21st, uh, Civilization VI is going to be made available for free. Um, I, I, I don't know if you've ever played the, the Civ games. I have. Uh, I find them a little, I find them. Them a little heavy-handed. Yeah, heard I've tried them. playing them. I, I've, I've, it's a little overly complicated for me. It's, it's a game that I feel I would probably really enjoy if I invested the... Uh, necessary time into it but that's a huge game franchise in itself then on may 28th we have borderlands the hansen collection which i presume is a game of the year re-release of the uh, very first borderlands so um that'll have all the dlc no, and stuff like that it's not, is the it first. not? it's um the handsome collection is borderlands 2 and the pre-sequel oh there you go okay so um that that sounds pretty awesome in itself and then on june 4th we've got arc survival evolved now of all of these, um, Ark is probably the, the lowest, I'd say arguably the lowest profile. It was a game that had a fair bit of hype that it didn't quite meet when it when the game came out. But if you consider that over the course of that month, Rockstar Games is going to have given away Grand Theft Auto V, Civ VI, Borderlands The Handsome Collection, and Ark Survival, Survival Evolved. For a month period, that is at least $100 worth of games they've given away there. I, I would say may, maybe 80 but... And I think I read earlier last week that since um, the Epic Games launched and they did these free games, they've nearly given away, in terms of what you would pay retail today, over $2,500 worth of games for free. So uh, um, you have all these people that don't like the Epic Games Store, but uh, they, they certainly do in a lot to uh, win a lot of uh, favoritism with me. Um and if they can keep this going, this is we're in a golden patch at the moment, though, if this uh, leak is proven to be true. But uh, yeah. Um, it's a lot of big titles, man. Yeah, and uh, I, I've heard other rumors of because um, when the GTA Five rumors first started, some people thought that it was going to be GTA Four instead, which I thought did make a little bit more sense just in terms of the relevancy of it. But uh, yeah, GTA Five—that that's huge. And if this this leak's true, better things are on the way. Now, see, uh, Hughes posted. Um, a news story here in regards to Twitch establishing a safety advisory council. Do you want to run through that? So Twitch has started a safety advisory council to help sort out its rules. Um, <clears throat> the people, let me, that, let me just, let me just, sorry, let me just stop you there to sort out the rules or to enforce them. Um, so from what I've read from this, they're supposed to be like, uh, drafting new policies and updating the old ones. They're, they they pulled in some Twitch partners to help the Twitch, um, I guess, 
I don't know specifically what they're called, the rules people, um, figure out what's going on. Because, you know, here lately we've been having a, a lot of problems with people breaking the rules. Nothing happens to them. They just get slapped on the wrist. And then you have small people. They break the rules mm. and they're like, get out of here forever. Um, yeah. Out of the people they pulled in, the only person that I know is Cole Carnage. I don't know who Cup of, Cup of Noodle, Ferociously Steph, or Zazarin are... <laughs> <laughs> probably Fortnite streamers i don't know but Cole carnage is a really really good streamer i've watched him a few times and i think it's a good idea to pull people in who are actually doing it to help the people you know the more suit type people because you know they don't even though they're over this they don't particularly know how it is to be a streamer you know so I think I, I think I would have preferred if they kind of did a bit of a mixed bag rather than picking um, popular Twitch partners. I wouldn't. I, I don't have a problem with that because they they're going to know the platform well. But I wouldn't have minded if they'd have probably thrown in about half a dozen of people who aren't major. Then at least that way you would get the argument from both sides of the case of people who have made it on the platform and what problems they have. And the, the entry, what you might call the entry level people who, who are struggling yeah, to make the it thing. on the platform. Oh, well, yeah, they are Twitch partners. So never mind. But, you know, a Twitch partner could be a pretty small time person, too. You know, I think it only yeah, takes about 75 people to get partnered. Yeah, it's no, it's numbers and consistency, I think, that get you over the line in regards to that. But I would just like to just see, um, rather than them picking notable streamers, I would have maybe have preferred to see a few um, few low-level people that you hadn't ever heard of, just to look at it from both sides. I mean, yeah. Twitch Twitch does have a, a, a problem, and it's a similar problem that you see on YouTube as well in the fact that once you've made it on the platform, there do appear to be – and this is – kind of why I, I maybe have a problem with them consulting the bigger names on the platform because it's been well documented that there are double standards um yeah if you're if you um i i don't recall the name of the streamer but i i recall reading earlier this week that there was a um a reasonably popular twitch streamer who uh dropped uh to um to f-bombs and uh that that that's not the go fornicate yourself on that's the one regarding uh your sexual orientation which as you will know is a major no-no on twitch if you drop Yo. that f-bomb <laughs> i had you're to in big i had to uh coach some friends about that when i started streaming they weren't too happy about it <laughs> no and um and uh nothing happened to them uh, now, in fairness, in that particular instance, the context was permissible because the way he was using it was saying that um, I, I believe the stream was going to introduce, um, I don't know what the feature is actually called, but where you can donate to have something read in like Siri on the channel. Text to speech. Or text to speech. And um, he, he said that he was going to turn his chat sub only because he didn't want his... Um, his text to speech to just start getting flooded with people saying the F word and not, not that F word that again, um, I don't know. I, I think I, if, if you were to ask me what the single biggest problem with Twitch is, I would probably say it's double standards. And while I, I, I do commend them for looking to investigate these further, if they are only asking some of the biggest people on the platform, 
then they're asking the wrong people if they're going to not treat them the same as everyone else. I mean, we see it consistently on YouTube. Even um, a YouTube moderator broke ranks about three months ago to absolutely confirm that the platform does not treat its biggest names in the same way that it treats its smaller channels. In other words, um, strikes and takedowns, etc. Um, they they don't handle it the same way if you've got a bit of clout on there. Um, so we'll see. But um, I, it can get better. I, I've, I've one of the most obvious um Twitch has a lot of grey areas, and uh, one of those is um, the use yeah, of swearing. Does. Another one is the the so called uh, uh, tit streamers, boob streamers, <laughs> girls who go on there with deliberately. See, this is where it gets a grey area, so whether it's deliberately or not re- revealing their cleavage. Um, there's been more than a few instances of uh, female Twitch streamers who have very much skirted the guidelines in terms of what they're wearing. And I know from the the male Twitch streaming community that that is um, a sore point because it's it, it, it's whether they're over-sexualizing the channel with it. It's, it's, it's messy and I think Twitch could solve it, but as I said earlier, I think I would rather um, Twitch speak with more low-level partners than just yeah, their biggest names. I definitely think it would be it'd be good to get more people in there. Like, like it, this thing only says that they have literally four people, so you would think that they would definitely need to pull in a few more people to um, get this kind of leveled out. And I agree with you, they should pull some smaller people in. Um, as far as, uh, like, the women stuff like yeah i do get people people get upset because there are technically booby streamers but you know um every you know i I just want to say this too while we're on the subject that just because some women do that doesn't mean every big woman on twitch got there by doing that no just the people because some people think oh it's a woman she has she has boobs. She got there because of them. That is not true. But uh, we'll see where it goes. I mean, the, the main the, the proof will be if it actually makes any conclusions well, and whether it this. will or not. Since this was established, um, a well-known I'm not you know we don't say names over here at the technically gaming podcast, but uh, at a well-known um female streamer who does a lot of skeptical things and you'll probably know who it is once i say this um well most people will she showed she accidentally showed her nipple on stream but once this got enforced she gave herself a ban she did not stream for a few days she showed a nipple on stream yes she did well, I can't. I can't say I've I've heard of that, but I'll be sure to look into it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Right, moving on because we've got. I've got so much here to try and uh, squeeze through. Hugh, um, as I move to some Sony PS5 news, um, we've um, heard from Sony that they are going to be setting up a gaming studio known as uh, PlayStation as uh, PlayStation Studios. Uh, before you get too excited, it is mostly just going to be an umbrella company that Sony is going to package its in-house development or first-party games under. So 
let's say um trying to think of some games that have fallen under that uh horizon zero dawn the last of us um bloodborne these are games that will would fall under this new playstation studios umbrella um nothing really new or exciting about it it's gonna they're gonna officially launch it when the playstation 5 so comes out the aren't they just changing the name <laughs> Well, yes and no. The interesting aspect is whether this may be a precursor for Sony to basically give themselves an arm to start getting more into PC gaming, which is a possibility. And um, they may use this as as the um, as the olive branch idea. to get into PC that's gaming. It's, it's a possibility. I'm certainly not saying it's going to happen, but um, you know, it, call me crazy, but I, I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility within the next year that you so. open up a piece of games and you will see PlayStation Studios on the title screen. Listen to me. PlayStation Studios. If, if this is what you're really trying to do is get into PC gaming, please bring Bloodborne to the PC. <laughs> I wish they would. I, I It's... I really, really wish they would, but it's so doubtful at this point. I know. Um, maybe the only time I could possibly see them doing it is if they did a Bloodborne two, and there certainly doesn't seem to be much, even from 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 software saying that Bloodborne two is ever going to happen. Um, but we'll see. It'll be interesting. And um, uh, PS Five news as well. Uh, earlier this week, we saw uh, Epic Games release the um, a demo of the Unreal Engine Five running on the console, and it looked pretty good, I have to say. Um, now, th- th- there are a few caveats have crept up since then. For example, we know that the demo was only running at thirty frames per second, and this is a point I'm going to return to when I've finished this particular um, subject, but. Um, one of the main question marks is how this engine um, performs on the PS5, how it will compare with current PC hardware. Because um, people, quite, you know, if this is going to be the the next gen game engine, people yeah. want to know, uh, you know, where PCs are going to stand up in this. And um, th- there's a lot of contradictory information. Most of it says that uh, in terms of if you wanted to get a similar performance seen in the PS5 demo, you would need something like a NVIDIA 2070 or a NVIDIA 2080, quite high power and quite expensive graphics cards. Um, what I would answer to that for any PC user listening is do not worry anyway. If a piece of gaming um, development software already requires that level of hardware to produce something that looks as good as it did, and don't get me wrong, it looks good, but it didn't look colossally better than what we can already get in, say, Unreal Engine 4.25. You know, it's better, but not by a huge leap. Um, the short version is if it require, it does require that level of hardware to run it, developers are not even going to start using this until later this year, early next year, which means that the first games developed on it are probably not coming until 2021, 2022, by which point we get a little bit further down the line. The, um, the owner system curve will start to level out a little bit as people upgrade to better systems. But uh, yeah, it, it looked fantastic on the PS5. and um, I dare say that with a decent PC, it would look even better now if if there was a PC version of it out. But yeah, uh, 
in in terms of actually seeing Unreal Engine five used in games, I think we're a, a ways off yet. Just from the point of view that graphically, yeah, you can make you can make absolutely stunning games, but there's absolutely no point making games so so graphically superior than the hardware. This was kind of a problem we saw with Crisis when that game originally came out. That game was developed far beyond the hardware requirements of the time, and um, it's for that reason that ten years on, it still looks fantastic. But uh, speaking of 30 frames per second, which is what I mentioned earlier, for both the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, we're seeing, I won't say a shift, but we're seeing quite a notable bit of disclaimering by both Sony and Microsoft, basically saying that although the systems can do 4K gaming at 60 frames per second, they're not going to mandate that to developers. In other words, developers can make games at 30 frames per second. You know, I seen a thing the other day. um, I believe it was from an Xbox um, thing for Assassin's Creed Valhalla Mm. that said something about it would be running at 30 frames per second. And I don't like that. (laughs) I I don't. One of the biggest problems you always have when you crank the resolution up is that frame rates do generally tend to go down. Um, so, yeah, it, we're in a bit of a weird position at the moment because both Sony and Microsoft have been quite keen to push 4K uh, 60-frame gaming, but it seems that at least for the first year or so, outside of probably uh, both Sony and Microsoft will have first-party titles that will achieve that. Well, I mean, but it's at of- 1080. 30 frames i just don't i if it, if that's true that is not acceptable for these consoles it, it's um, time to get to put, 60 frames man <laughs> to me yeah, at least i i, I wouldn't I, if that is the case with the 1080p version that may be just the ps4 or the xbox one version they're talking about that's all i can say i, I would be very surprised if there was a, a ps5 or xbox series x game that was designed to run at 1080p at 30 uh, frames per second. That, it, that would surprise me. It would be very disappointing. <laughs> so that may that reference may be towards current gen systems, which would sound about right. Most PS4 games do generally tend to run around the uh, 30 30 frame per second mark. Um, but yeah, we're, as I said, we're just seeing a little, I wouldn't say a shift into the goalpost, but we're certainly seeing both companies just try and re-quantify exactly what it will represent. And I would say that if that is what you're specifically going for, it may take a year or two for the games to actually catch up and uh, be able to, because it's not so much a means of developing the games that are capable of it. It's fully optimizing them to the systems. And, uh, you know, these these are brand new consoles. I think um, engineering samples only... Um, only started landing late last year so developers haven't had a very long time to start really seeing the best that they can get from these but we'll see we'll see all going well both the ps5 and the xbox series x will release this november exactly how much they'll cost is anyone's guess but uh hopefully or if not you can too get much. your hands on one <laughs> well yes um Let's see, what is next? You, you've made a reference to the culling here. Do you want to go through that? Okay, so uh, do you know what the culling is, suicide? I know I know of the controversy. Let's so the culling way. was one of... So was, the culling was essentially one of the first Battle Royale games that we received. And at first, it was really good. People really liked it, and... Uh, 
let's just say the developers weren't very smart uh, and decided to make changes that people didn't like. So essentially the game uh, just went under. Just I believe, I don't know which came first, the Culling 2 or the free-to-play, but both of them eventually happened and it went nowhere. Oh, so now the smart people were who whatever studio this is, I have no idea. The smart people over there decided that they're going to do a pay-to-play model. So you make a free-to-play model and people don't play it. And you think because I just I don't understand. So so listen to the this players can play one match online each day. That that's for free. You can play one match a day for free, right? You can play. And it's a, a battle royale game. Yeah. So imagine if your free game you were dead within a minute. I'm so just, just putting it out this. there for Imagine this. You, you Call of Duty said in Warzone, right? You could play one match a day. And then you drop it like hospital and you die immediately. That's your free yeah, match. Yeah, you don't deploy your parachute properly. You break your legs. Or you get you shot while like you're parachuting. <laughs> That's your free match. You can't play. Uh, okay, so players can play additional matches through the following means. Winning an online match grants an online match token. So if you win, you play another. But if you get shot out of the air... You're screwed. Unless you, you want to go play, unless you want to pay 99 cents, get you three matches. $3 gets you 10 matches. And $5 gets you 20 matches. Or you can pay each month. You can get a seven days um, unlimited online play for two dollars or thirty days for five ninety nine. Suicide five ninety nine. You could play all the the uh, the culling origins that you want. I think I'll keep my five ninety nine. Thanks. Who the hell thought this was a good idea? And I and it just it's. I've, I think I, I said it to you at the time when you initially mentioned it. It sounds to me like a basically a pay-as-you-go version of gaming, which wouldn't be so bad if you had a good game, but the culling is not good. I mean, it's, it, it, it it's barely just a, works it's as just a free-to-play. It's a battle royale. Whenever this was free-to-play, no one played it. So what makes you think they're going to pay for it? And on top of that, you have Warzone, which is free to play. Exactly. Why would you pick? Why would you pick this? You know, why would you pick what is at best in the culling can be described as a polished turd compared to Warzone? Why would you do it? It makes no sense. It has absolute disaster. But this isn't the first time that the culling's been. It's flogging a dead horse. It's it was dead on arrival and. Um, They've just gone from mistake to mistake, and uh, this isn't the way to fix it. Um, if they wanted to fix it, try making just a better game. If you make yeah. a good game, people will come. Yeah. Um, but I, nah, I see it's, this. It's, it's I ridiculous. see this. I see this coming out, and yeah. Good luck. That's all and I the can say going to bankrupt them. In good a luck. <laughs> yeah. Um, mentioning, you mentioned. Um, 
Warzone, though, we have some fantastic news in regard to Warzone and the... Um, Do we now? Rather, yeah, um, it's not on the list, but it's just you, you stirred me, stirred my memory. Um, for those of you who have played Warzone, particularly on the PC, it's almost undoubtedly come to your attention that the game had had a pretty big problem with cheaters. Um, this, this was a PC problem, but it was causing people to turn cross-play off. And as with all games of this nature, it was just causing a lot of um, discontent in the community. Activision, in credit to them, has been really proactive in trying to solve this, a lot more proactive than we've seen in um, games, uh, Battle Royale games from other developers. And earlier this week, they finally... Even their own say, games, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, some of their other um, games. Earlier this week, they introduced a new method specifically designed for the people who created the free accounts, because that's the problem in this game. It, people who actually own Call of Duty Modern Warfare don't cheat, because if you cheat, you get banned. You you own, you have absolutely no ac access to the online game via that platform anymore. Um, Free people um, with a free version of Warzone, though, that was the problem because if your account got banned, you can just go and create another account, different email address, easy peasy. What Activision's done now, though, is that uh, any new free account set up uh, to play Warzone has to get mobile authentication. In other words, you put in your um, cell phone number, you will get sent a text message with an activation code, and you will use that code to activate your free Warzone account. Why is this good? Well, largely for two reasons. Firstly, um, it means that people can't just create masses of accounts for Warzone. Secondly, if you get banned for cheating in Warzone through this system, the ban isn't just associated to your account and username. It's associated to your phone number. As such, you can't create another account with that phone number set up to receive the activation message. So. While the problem before was that people could just get banned and make new free accounts, this makes it a lot trickier because you don't just need to create a new account and email address. You need a whole new phone that you can get this authentication. Sadly, there's probably ways to get around it, but... Probably, but for the vast majority of people, um, I've Most already people seen... people are going to be like, do I really want to take the time to do this? I've already seen posts... Um, from the known um, cheating websites, websites that sell cheating so, uh, cheating software for Warzone, and the community on there have already been saying this new this new system that Activision introduced works. If you get banned, unless you have a brand new phone number that you can get this um, authenticated on, you can't get back into the game. You can't just create a new account, and it's and, and surprisingly. It really, really does seem to be working, and um, it's probably the best implementation we've seen. So, and and as I said, the the real plus mark is that yeah, people may have let's just say it's in a household. A person may have access to two or three phones to get this authentication code from, but if you are consistently getting, if you got banned in the first place, that that clearly shows that Activision knew what you were doing. Mm -hmm. And it's it's going to happen sooner or later. And you, you can't just keep getting mobile phone numbers just to keep cheating in an online game. As as Hugh says, there probably is somewhere a workaround to this. 
Um, but uh, at the very least, it should deter the more casual um, cheater from the game, which is great. I think it's um, really it, good because because you got because the way I look at it is Call of Duty Modern Warfare is our first big big uh, um I would say cross play game that we've mm. gotten, and you got to think like with people cheating it kind of makes you know some of the the console people more hesitant to turn cross play on sometimes and and the, I think and it's the a pity great about thing. that is with, with cross play on it is a just a lot quicker finding games yeah. and, I know, and I know there's, there's plenty of people playing this anyway mm-hmm. but it can make the difference between waiting uh, a minute to get into a round or three to four minutes, um, depending on what the traffic's like at the time and what your playlist is. Because uh, we all have our personal preferences as what we play. You know, whether you whether you prefer uh, Team Deathmatch or uh, Search and Destroy, or whether you prefer Battle Royale or um, Blood Money. So, hopefully, um, this will start getting the uh, console community turning uh, crossplay back on again, which is good for everyone. Um, and more importantly, hopefully, it out will absolutely destroy the cheating community. That that definitely was was a problem in the game, but it looks like Activision may have got on top of it. So that's great news. It is. Um, uh, just moving on quickly to something we covered in a um, prior podcast uh, here. Um, uh, we reported a few weeks ago that there were rumours that a Prince of Persia 6 game was about to be announced. This was following the registration of a um, domain name, princeofpersia6.com. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of um, actual gaming releases, um, it looked fairly legitimate. It was um, registered. Uh, I won't go into all the details, but it basically copycatted everything that um, Ubisoft did with... Um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, in that um, it was registered with this uh, through this particular company to this uh, specific uh, DNS settings. And in regards to Valhalla, the re- the website was registered two days before the game was actually revealed. Now, unfortunately, it's turned out there is going to be, or at least this isn't um, any kind of precursor to Prince of Persia 6. It's been found that the website isn't owned by Ubisoft or anyone associated with them. It's literally, if you go on there now, it's princeofpersia6.com, you'll just see that it's somebody who's now changed the website to show that he's selling the domain name. Um, I can't exactly see Ubisoft um, smashing his door down to buy it, but um, it's disappointing. But I I think I said at the time, I thought it was weird that they would have an Assassin's Creed and a Prince of Persia in development at the same time. So... um, it's pretty sad to hear because Prince of Persia loved him Prince of was Persia, a pretty but... good game, and it's been a long time since we got one. Yeah, but I think I think Assassin's Creed is still the logical successor to it, and I don't think Ubisoft is going to work on a Prince of Persia until they're finished with whatever they're doing with Assassin's Creed. And and let's be honest, they uh, they are milking the Assassin's Creed, Creed cow for as much as they can. Oh yeah. So yeah, no Prince of Persia six. Um, but I can't honestly say I'm that shocked. It always seemed a little dubious to begin with. Um, we do have far more positive news in the gaming world. For example, earlier this week, um, the Japanese Konami website launched a free browser-based version of Dance Dance Revolution, and I know for a fact <laughs> that you absolutely love that arcade game. 
I've never played it, but I know a lot about it. Um, I knew somebody that made a um a dance dance revolution uh board game on a tabletop simulator, so Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Weird. So um how does it work? How do you get access to it? Well, the short version is it's not very easy to get onto the actual website itself because it's been hosted by Konami Japan. And even going onto Konami Japan's official website won't immediately point you in the right direction. If you do just Google Konami Dance Dance Revolution browser <laughs> game, you'll probably find it. It's, you know, clearly you are not having to move your feet. This is all controlled by the keyboard arrows. Sad but, um, yeah, and you and and even the, the I've tried it myself, and even the music tracks. So I, I was hugely disappointed when I couldn't do Cotton um, Cotton Eye Joe on hard. But there you go. So, <laughs> but it's it's a free browser based game, and um, if you want to give it a try, it it it's at least a free bit of disposable fun. We've also um, staying with gaming again. Uh, we've had uh, Capcom making some. Uh, I wouldn't say revealing anything massive, but uh, if you've played Res the Resident Evil 3 remake with Nemesis, you may recall in the game that Nemesis had a new ability, um, which was the um, means of infecting zombies with a parasite that would make them even more deadly. Um, there were some question marks surrounding this because this wasn't something that Nemesis could do in the original game. And... Um, what Capcom has basically said is that this is what they're kind of loosely doing is they've retconned Nemesis in a in a very light way, mm -hmm. just to make Resident Evil Four make more sense. Because if you've played Resident Evil Four, you'll know that um, the Ganados can get infected with a parasite, and at that point in the game, things get trickier because it's not just a case of killing the zombie; you have to use your infrared and kill the parasite within them. Um. So, yeah, Capcom have basically just said that they just retconned Nemesis a little just to make the overall timeline make more sense. And given that we are expecting a Resident Evil 4 remake at some point, it does seem that Capcom just wants to really and firmly cement the Resident Evil timeline moving forward now. They, they want a lot less ambiguity and uh, uh, and confusing plot points. I think it's a good idea because if you go and actually look at the plot of Resident the Resident Evil series, it's it's and excuse my French, I don't like to cuss on the it's a shit show. It really is. Um I would honestly eventually like to see some kind of reboot on it. I I I would really like to see a reboot eventually. The way I equate, the, the problem that you have sometimes when it comes to franchises with complicated plots is that initially you have to remember that the developer may not have planned for that game to have ever turned into a franchise. Um, That's true. I, I, I think one of the best examples of that today, um, even though even this isn't a particularly relevant reference anymore, is Five Nights at Freddy's. That started as a very basic game with hardly any plot. And at this point now, you know, about seven or eight games in and, and about a dozen books as well. Um, the, the plot is fantastically detailed. And one of the biggest criticisms of, of that gaming franchise is the unanswered questions in the plot and people saying that developer, you know, won't answer them. 
Well, there's a very good reason why the developer of that game probably isn't answering them, and that's because he doesn't know. Exactly. He made five, Scott Cawthorn, who made Five Nights at Freddy's, that was going to be the last game he ever made uh, because he was just getting tired of not cracking it in the games industry. And then all of a sudden, thanks to a few YouTubers, the, the game absolutely explodes and suddenly he's making sequels. And the sequels came out on a nearly, you know, there were times where there was less than six months between the sequels. And, you know, there were just this massive plot and lore and story. And that's kind of the situation that we're in with Resident Evil is that the games, there's every possibility that the franchise just became far bigger than what Capcom initially expected from Resident Evil 1. Because if Resident Evil 1 wouldn't have been um, a massive success, they would have never made a second, a third, a fourth. And as you know, um, after a point, plots do just become complicated because it, what it all boils down to is that when Capcom and when uh, made Resident Evil 1 and when Scott Cornthorne made Five Nights at Freddy's 1, neither one of them expected that there'd be five, six, seven, eight games in those franchises. They both did it on the understanding that there'd be one, maybe two. So, Fun fact. Devil May Cry 1 started out as a Resident Evil game. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, not so fun fact. So did Dino Crisis probably, and it just got because that was basically just a modded port of a <laughs> of Resident Evil One. Um, people would love a new uh, Dino. Speaking of Dino Crisis, really, really, I mean, if we're talking about games that are overdue a new installation, we need Please. a Dino Crisis remaster. The first one, I'd love it. Just don't remaster or- the third one. <laughs> Just one. That's what they'll do. If they, if they do it, that's what they're going to do. They're going to announce that they've remastered the third one, which, for those of you who don't remember, was Dinosaurs in Space, which was just I, I terrible. Didn't, I didn't even know it exists. I watched it later in life, and I was like, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, um, you know, that, that, that should be higher on the wish list, but still. Please. Gaming system news next, and although it's neither the PS5 nor the Xbox Series X, we have confirmation that following its delay from March, the TurboGrafx-16 Mini is finally coming out in the US, and better still, uh, old PewDiePie over there is probably going to have to put them out on the store shelves in two days' time. Yes, it is released. Well, it'll be one day, actually, when this goes live, but the TurboGrafx Mini 16 is releasing in America on May 22nd. And I don't, I don't, I don't stock shelves. <laughs> I sweep floors. Right. Thank you. All right. Okay. Well, you'll have to sweep around. You'll have to sweep around the section of the uh, store floor that they want to put the display in there. <laughs> um, I'm really, although clearly I'm not in America, um, and we don't have a European release date. Um, I really want this mini system, and um, although I have a NES and a SNES Classic, I certainly didn't get the um, PS One. Um, mini because that was just a dumpster fire. Uh, I don't didn't, never really cared much for uh, Sega, <laughs> but I really want this one. I'll tell you for why. The TurboGrafx 16 is at least in my opinion one of the best 16-bit systems that were around at the time, and um, this is going to be really popular. It's available for ninety-nine dollars, and it's coming preloaded with fifty games. You get. Um, and uh, not not just uh, throwaway titles either. It's pretty much got every recognizable game the Turbo Graphics had in this um, pre-built in on this. So um, 
that's out and it will be as I said the day this goes live it'll be released in america the next day and um if you're looking for something to um to occupy your time or you've never you know if you have fond memories for the turbografx 16 or you've never touched one in your life this is without a doubt one of the best opportunities you'll ever get because uh getting a hold of an original system is getting increasingly harder uh, particularly the games which um I won't go into massive detail, but the games were neither cartridge nor CD-ROM. They were like little big versions of SIM cards is the only way I could describe the games. They were very, very weird things. But um, that's out on May 22nd. And uh, if you've got a spare $100 burning a hole in your pocket, that would be well worth checking out. So, Hugh, I hear the Anthem developers are trying to figure out what went wrong. What went wrong with what? If you don't know, you must be living under a rock because Anthem <laughs> flopped big time whenever it came out. But it was, um, it the was people it, what, what was that? Sorry, Hugh. What was that game that came out pretty much the same time as Overwatch Lawbreakers? It's no the same. Comment. It's the same. No yeah, comment. It's the same deal. It's the same deal. It was dead, dead on arrival. Bioware Austin um, has put aside a small team to cut to just essentially go in and see what is wrong with the game. And I guess there are, uh, it was a while back, but they said they did have people that were working on, um, they never said what it was going to be called, but a lot of people call, were calling it Anthem next, which would essentially be the game, but fixed. Um, they didn't know if they were going to do it in an update, release, uh, something new, well, are they not going under? Are they not going under that name? Anthem, fixed. <laughs> well, that would probably be the best. <laughs> um, like I played Anthem. I I tried so hard to give it a chance. I really did. Um, but it it just didn't have uh the content. It had just one of the worst I guess you could say walls that they put in front of you to continue the game where you have to go to these tombs complete all these objectives just just to finish the game the the base game it just lacked content um to me I don't even know if this is even worth it at this point like maybe even just go in and start working on like an Anthem 2 or something like that if you want to fix it. Because it to me, it's like, is it too late to fix this game? Even if you do fix it, are people going to come back and play it at this point? There are times where... Um, see, the weird thing is that Anthem had a hell of a lot of hype leading up to its launch and it's part of the reason i i never bothered with it um games that get that much hype in my experience generally are not going to be very good um because the developer knows they're not good and they're getting the publisher to just throw money at advertising in the hope that it'll it'll sell enough games to make them money before people figure out that it's it's not it's not great so um I, no, it, again, um, getting back to the culling, I just view this as flogging a dead horse. The, the, because you, you have, have things have to like do Fallout 76. Really you have games like Fallout 76 that came out, and, you know, that game 
you know, pretty much was bad on launch, but they have did tons to fix it. But how long did it take them to fix the game? I have to admit, I didn't really have a problem with um, Fallout. I, th- I think there was a lot of hyperbole when Fallout 76 released, and um, God help me, I actually agree with uh, Todd Howard at uh, Bethesda. I think a lot of the hate for Fallout 76 came from people bandwagoning. I, I think a lot of people think it's a, a really crap game, but they've never actually played it. Um, and I think you could argue that with a lot of games, but um, Fallout 76 was fixable, and at least Bethesda is trying to fix it. Um they're having to fix it more of a point of honor though they're not doing it because they think it needs to be better they're doing it because they know that there were thousands of people who bought this game um that were just left with a a buggy glitch filled mess which is what bethesda do best um if you want yeah yeah, uh no man's sky yeah where's the game destiny was crap when it came out they fixed it it's um but so, it's just, to me it's the time frame it's already been a year since this game has came out over a year i believe now that that is that is the problem i think and at least bethesda was quick to acknowledge and quick to say that they were going to fix problems in fallout 76 um as was the case with no man's sky yes updates haven't been massively regular but they have been coming and they have made that that, that no Man's Sky is probably the one of the the best redemption arcs ever in gaming because oh, when yeah. that game out, came out, people hated it. If you were to play it today compared to then, you would not recognize it. And I'm not just talking. I'm not talking about the graphics. I'm talking about just in the game today. There is actually things to do and a purpose. Um, I'm not. I'm. I don't think I'm risking spoilers here. But the whole purpose of No Man's Sky was that it would spawn you in a random point of a procedurally generated universe, and your whole purpose was to get to the center of the universe. And you got to the center of the universe just to find out that that was the perp. That was the sole purpose. There was no. There was nothing there. You just got there, and then it, you'd start the journey all over again. Um, but what what hello games kind of really got wrong with that game was that it just got boring and repetitive and despite all these procedurally generated worlds there wasn't actually anything interesting to do on them um but that as i said that is probably one of the best redemption arcs in gaming they they really did work hard and threw a lot of money and they could have just this i've said this before but they could have just walked away yeah. As soon as Hello Games released that, they could have just walked away, got it patched so that the game was stable and working great, and then just gone, that's it, that's your game. But they haven't. They have probably thrown millions of dollars into further development of this game just to try and make it. It was really the right thing to do. They hyped this game it, up to have a lot of things that it did not. Well, um, multiplayer and, and, and things of that. And as, as said, a truly wild and varied universe which it didn't have uh but it does now and you can base build you can it I'd play it now <laughs> yeah me too. um all right suicide but, uh, you want to you want to rapid rapid fire us through some of these topics yeah we need to get through some of these pretty quick so i'm going to give you a quick bunch of bullet points 
Number one, Apple. It's reopening stores in America and China again. But the bad news is to get in, you have to wear a face mask and you've got to get your temperature checked at the door. There's I only have about to do a hundred every night at work. There's only about a hundred opening. It's believed that at least 80 of those are going to be in China, but there will be about 20 store locations in America opening. So the good news is check your local Apple store. If you really, really need to speak to somebody at the Genius Bar, they might be reopening. Are the people that we, work at Genius Bars actually geniuses suicide? No. <laughs> and I won't and I won't say any more for uh, legal reasons. Um We've seen a recent trend with the uh, COVID lockdown situation for a lot of uh, esports replacing um, actual sporting events. For those of you um, with any interest in motor racing, you may have noticed that a lot of um, F1 Grand Prix have been simulated um, and streamed online, which have been really great to watch, I have to say. Um, just from the point of view of it's one of the first instances we've seen of um, professional drivers and esports drivers racing together within a game. Um, anyway, uh, if you are a fan of motor racing, then the, the Le Mans 24 hour race, which was due to start uh, in June, has been cancelled as a physical event, but it is going ahead as a virtual race. This will be um, for drivers on a team it will be an actual 24-hour race and the teams have to be made up of at least two professional and two um esport drivers so that could be really really fun to watch considering that it's going to be held over a 24-hour um, period and there's that they're open to at least 50 teams participating in this so that could be really really fun on a side note getting on to esports twitch actually has an esports um a, a page now on their website where you can go check out all of the esports events that are going on. So if you want to do it's that, a, I'm not. I have to admit, I'm not a huge fan of esports, but um, it has been giving a nice distraction while actual sporting events haven't been able to be held at the moment. So that is really, really nice news. Moving on onto some Nvidia news, uh, we had Nvidia's. Um, GTC 2020 keynote stream last, uh, well, it'll be last week by the time you see this. Um, there are nine videos available on their YouTube channel showing all the reveals. The short version is save yourself two hours. Either don't watch them or just watch the very last one, the conclusion video. Um, NVIDIA did what NVIDIA does during this. They, they talked a lot. They hyperbolized. It was a look how great we are, but without actually revealing anything that would be interesting to the vast majority of consumers. It was honestly, for someone who did have to watch it and write and report on it, it was honestly pretty boring. So if you do want to see what NVIDIA is cooking up, there are some genuinely interesting things in there, but don't bother with the individual videos. Just watch the last conclusion video. What you need to um, do out there, ladies and gentlemen, is you need to go find yourselves a suicide. Like I have a suicide. They can tell you what this crap means. It's um, it's mostly server and hardware and AI-based stuff. It, it was everything we probably expected Intel to do, but absolutely nothing interesting in the grand scheme of things. Um, moving on, we have news of Netflix. Since people have been advised to go into uh, COVID-19 lockdown, we have seen Netflix and YouTube as well, I should say, um, imposing uh, bandwidth, uh, bandwidth restrictions on uh, on their platforms. Um, 
Short version is that you probably, the vast majority of you probably didn't even know they did this because all they have literally done is just dump down the um, default quality of, um, that's what YouTube did at least. Uh, YouTube set the default video quality to run lower and they set it to 720p rather than 1080p. And Netflix, kind of the same, but they restricted, they basically just didn't allow the highest, ends, um, highest uh, end streaming on their platform. The good news is Netflix has started restricting this in Europe and they're expected to take this worldwide in the coming weeks as well. So if you have been getting a little frustrated with the video quality on YouTube and Netflix, the good news is things may be set to return to some kind of normality. Um, That's good. And on a similar theme, once again, this is something that is very, very quick and disposable. Um, Studio Ghibli, one of my favorite animation studios, has confirmed that uh, the project, um, he can only be called the godfather of Japanese animation, Hayao Miyazaki. is He is indeed directing a new film for the studio, um, and it is going to be entirely hand-animated. That is surprising for uh, to see a hand-animated film made in this century, let's say, because I mean, most I like them more, <laughs> man. It, it's, it's sad to see I mean, that more people don't do it, but I understand how much easier it is. Well, th- this is where it tied in because there were rumors that it was going to be computer animated, and um, Miyazaki has always he has he has done films with computer animation in it. For example, um, Princess Mononoke. That was the first time that Ghibli ever used um, CGI in their films, and it was the scene where the um, uh, what's its name, the, the spirit of the forest or whatever, kind of transforms into that huge creature. Yeah, um, that that was the first time they ever used um, computer generated graphics, and um, they did something similar. Um, Princess Kaguya, which is absolutely fantastic, I really really love that. Um, that was, uh, I think, that used um, computer graphics for the uh, coloring to get the watercolor effect that they used in it uh, throughout the film. It's it's really honestly stunning, well worth watching. But th- the next feature that will feature him as the director is going to be hand animated. There was some confusion about the computer graphics, but it turns out that his son, Goro, is making another film for Ghibli that will be completely um, uh, computer animated. So that's where the confusion may have risen up. So there are really two main key bits of news to take from this. Firstly, we have two new Ghibli films on the way, one that will be computer animated and one that will be hand animated. The second is that um, the computer generated one will probably be releasing around 2022. As for the hand animated one, we are probably looking 2025 at the earliest, as you can imagine, um, hand animating. I think um, Miyazaki said that they currently have 36 minutes of um, animation completed, and this is probably going to be about a a 90 minute long, maybe even um, 120 minute long feature. So, you know, they're about in terms of overall completion, a third of the way through, and this has already been underway for two years now. So we're probably looking at another, um, at least another three to four years for that one. Of the two, I'm far more interested in the uh, Miyazaki film. Um, I don't think, uh, although he's his son and I don't want to sound unkind, I don't think Goro Miyazaki is his father, and I don't think the films he has directed have been as good. But we'll see. I, I give him every opportunity for redemption. This could be his redemption arc if he wants it. But for fans of Japanese animation, that is some pretty amazing news. 
I'm just going to roll through a few quick ones here. It looks like Valve might be preparing to introduce a loyalty scheme on Steam, one that you'll generate points of playing games that will eventually allow you to, at any point, apply for a discount on a game, regardless of whether it's in the Steam sale or not. That could be pretty cool. Um, As I said, it does just sound like a loyalty scheme that you accrue points just as you play games. And the, the main, as I said, the, the main takeaway from it is that rather than having to wait for a Steam sale, which, by the way, the next Steam sale will be in about three weeks' time, um, you can just get, if there's a game you want to buy, you can just use um, use your loyalty points to apply for a certain discount on it. Sounds, sounds good to me. Uh, secondly, we have news from Microsoft that they are discontinuing OEM versions of Windows 10 32-bit. Now, I can see Hugh knows all about this, so do you want to explain what that is? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, this, this, For the vast majority of people listening, this will mean very little. For even less, for even less, it will have any influence whatsoever. But basically, Microsoft is ending... This is Microsoft basically ending 32-bit versions of their operating systems entirely. Um, What's the main difference between a 32-bit and a 64-bit? It basically just boils down to memory. On the 64-bit system, you can have up to 128 gigabytes of memory. On the 32-bit, you can only have 4 gig of memory. And it's for reasons that the 32-bit of Windows 10 has largely only really been sold through uh, third-party manufacturers, companies like uh, Dell, HP, who just want a a less expensive version of the operating system to go on their notebook or tablet or whatever. Um, Support for it's coming to an end. Windows has said if you do own a 32-bit Windows device, Windows is still going to be um, providing you with security updates and general patches and fixes. The only real difference is that pretty much from the end of this month on, you're never going to be able to buy um, buying a copy of Windows 10 32-bit will be harder. But more than that, seeing one that's provided with a retail system will start getting rarer and rarer as well. So yeah. it's the end of 30. We're basically just seeing the end of 32-bit operating systems here, at least from Microsoft's perspective. And last but not least, and we're ending on a bit of a uh, bit of a developing story here. Um, we've mentioned it on the podcast more than a few times, but um, Intel is set to release their i i9 10900K. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it. it's ten thousand nine hundred K, I suppose, or ten. I don't. I, I'll have to have a word with one of my colleagues actually to find out what the official uh, the official naming of this processor is. But one zero nine zero zero K processor. Um, H. Despite the review uh, NDA not due to break until the end of the month, it seems that one Chinese reviewer has broke ranks and he has posted about. 15, and this is unusual. Sometimes when you can see benchmarks leak, you only get one or two, but he's posted around 15 different benchmarking results comparing Intel's upcoming flagship processor with AMD's existing um, uh, top-end processors like the 3900X and the 35, uh, 3950X. And the short version is that in terms of power and performance, it's going to be about the same. Intel is matching AMD, it beats it in some areas, it loses out in others. It requires a lot more power, which we already um, suspected. Um, if you if you just search for this, you'll you'll find the benchmarks easily enough online. This this has been making the rounds quite a lot since it leaked. Um, 
but uh but this is unusual just to see because i said when we when we sometimes see benchmark leaks we sometimes only see one or two charts pop out but this is basically a full review of the processor that's come out and um with comparative results to Intel and AM, um, between Intel and AMD. So on the whole, it looks like they're going to be about the same, but from an individual standpoint, I'd say it's still Advantage AMD. Intel's processor's brand new. AMD's getting on for a year old now. And as far as we can see, Intel is only about as good as AMD. And who would have thought that five years ago? Not me. <laughs> no. So I I am out. That is me done, Hugh, unless you have anything you want to touch on. No, I think I'm good this week. We good? Think I'm good? Okay, well, that's We're it. Good. So uh, if you're out there and you are watching this on YouTube, uh, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. More importantly, on the comment part, if there's anything you'd like to see us talk about, um, it doesn't matter what it is as long as – well, it really doesn't matter what it is, honestly <laughs> – um, as long as it's within the realms of, uh, if it's mildly geeky, technical gaming, we'll discuss it. Yeah. Uh, it can, it doesn't even have to be news. It could just be a topic or something you'd like to hear us discuss. Just leave it in the comments below. If you're listening to this on, um, on one of the podcast services, make sure that you subscribe to that so you can keep up whenever the new episodes come out. Um, yet again, we are sorry that there was no episode last week. We will try our best to uh, um, keep all the. Sorry. F- sorry, Hugh. I just really briefly just want to sandwich something in it, just just to show the, the the kind of topics we are willing to discuss. Have you seen the news regarding um, Deji in the last twenty four hours? I have not. Deji, do you know who Deji is? KSI's younger brother. Yes. Well, uh, it has been found, and I can keep this really brief because it, it just made me chuckle. It's it just really funny. Um, for a while, he'd been flirting at just under 10 million subscribers on YouTube. Then mm-hmm. he then he broke it, and then he started dipping under again. Uh, it's been found by, by – it's been revealed by the company he bought them off that he bought at least uh, 70,000 subscribers <laughs> – <laughs> to tip his numbers back over 10 million. This isn't just rumor or speculation. The person he bought them off, wow. who owns the company, <laughs> has done a reveal on it. And do you want to know why he did it? Why? Because uh, many people, the, the obvious answer is, well, why on earth would this guy who runs this bot subbing company um, reveal this information? Surely that's going to make people not want to use him. Well, the reason is, is that when Deji dipped under 10 million subs, he blamed the bot subbing company for having removed some of their automated follows. So he put a uh, basically a refund application on PayPal that basically it just ripped the company off. He got money claimed back off the company he paid. Wow, to dude. artificially inflate his sub count. And um, <laughs> it's why it's, would you do that? <laughs> Well, you're already dealing with a pretty shady aspect of the internet anyway, because we all know YouTube has a very dim view of people who artificially inflate their their sub numbers, but it's very hard to prove. What we have in this instance is somebody that we have categorical proof because the guy who runs the bot subbing company has said, this guy bought subs off me. And why would you piss somebody like that off if you've done that? But yeah, apparently he tr- he put in a partial reclaim that was successful on um 
on PayPal. So he, he took money back off the company. So the company thought, right, you're going to take money off us. Let's expose you for the for the not 10 million sub you are and you know just how sad and pathetic you are that you needed to buy 70,000 just to keep your numbers above 10 million I will say for the record Deji has released a video completely denying this but it is full of absolutely once again I'm going to use language here it's full of just total bullshit in the video and this is just how mad he gets he says that he has an IQ of 189 that is higher than I believe Einstein's was recorded at. That's higher than what Stephen Hawking's was recorded at. I don't recall either of those people. I don't recall either of those people being. Oh, it's just crazy. But um, yeah, it's it's just some rather amusing oh, news. And as we do, we we are more than happy to cover and talk about this kind of. If that bizarre, guy has a higher IQ than those people, we are screwed. Ladies you would think that gentlemen. somebody with that high an IQ would would figure out you don't put in. Where does it you click in your head? I bought subs. Off a I bought subs I off these people. Pages. I'm gonna be able to. I'm gonna. I'm going to blame them for something. Take some of the money I gave them back, and everything's <laughs> just gonna go. We're just gonna go on with life like no. <laughs> So yeah, that's um as I said, he's I, I was aware of who Deji was and um I know that it um annoys him him immensely because he's only ever referred to largely as KSI's younger brother and as you as it, I, I dare say even you know who KSI on YouTube is. Oh you. yeah. Even if you don't watch oh, him, yeah. I know who he is, but I don't watch him. Um but uh yeah, it's just like seriously, I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're going to mess with anyone, you don't mess with somebody that's because what what's the position he's in now is that with this being disclosed by the bot subbing company, his that's, account could that be is like, That is like going to work for the mafia, doing a job for them. You don't think you got paid as much as you should. So you go to like detectives and tell them where like one of their hideouts are, and then you expect for them not to come after you. It's uh, it really is. It's it, it really it broke last night. And it just completely made my day. So uh, if people want to check that out, just uh, go on uh, YouTube. I dare say there is already more than a few videos on the subject. But uh, yeah, it's um. It just absolutely beggars belief why you would choose to piss off somebody who was very clearly in a position that could do you a lot of damage. But he did, and he's paying the price now. And yeah. I have to say, his apology video is is just comedy gold. And he is he is associated with making comedy anyway. But rather ironically, his his non apology video because he doesn't he doesn't accept any liability. He says this is all made up. This is fake. Um. But it is this video that he's done in response to it is just so absolutely hilarious, just for the absolute garbage he talks and the way he even goes. Let me, I'm just going to touch on this very briefly. He even goes off on a tangent saying that is he gets hate online because people think he's gay. What has that got to do with any of this? But <laughs> anyway, that's it. We're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, like I already said, and if you're on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. If you are on podcasts, make sure to subscribe, keep up with the podcast. But until next time, I'm Hugh Rageous.
And I'm serious. So the Sanders. We are technically gaming and we will see you later.